Hi, and welcome to Sisters Love Podcast. My name is Shelly. And my name is Shannon. We are sisters and we talk about what we love to watch, love to learn, love to love, love to read. Well, you get the idea. Today, we're going to talk about gambling movies. There's a fine line between a gambling movie and a heist movie. Think the remake of Ocean's Eleven. While it takes place almost entirely in a casino, it isn't about gambling in any meaningful way. So we'd label it a heist film, albeit one that's most certainly gambling adjacent. To make it onto this list, a movie has to be primarily about gamblers or those in the gambling world, a croupier or dealer, for example. Gambling in film is sometimes treated as glamorous, but as someone who has gambled minimally in real life, it can be fun, but for the most part, it's a grind. And let's face it, most people leave the table with less money than when they arrived, regardless of the stakes. Some of our movies also address the addictive nature of gambling and the price one pays for letting that addiction control them. As with any activity that provides a high, there is a fine line one walks when participating in such activities without losing themselves in the process. Our first film is Rounders, starring Matt Damon as Mike McDermott, Edward Norton as Lester Worm Murphy, and John Malkovich in what may or may not be an accurate, but is definitely an enjoyable Russian accent, as Teddy KGB. Interestingly, it also stars Gretchen Maul from a time when Hollywood and her agent were trying very hard to make her the next It Girl, and it just didn't stick. There was even a Vanity Fair article to that effect. It just goes to show you the very fickle nature of Hollywood. Gretchen Maul plays Mike's girlfriend, Joe, and it is very unfortunate for her that Joe's character is incredibly unlikable. I never once understood the appeal of Joe's character to Mike in the film. Thankfully, her character does not have any significant screen time, though. The story follows Mike and his toxic relationship with his childhood friend, Worm, who goes around town racking up gambling debts in Mike's name. Given to whom the debts are owed, a violent Russian underground figure, this is a very, very bad thing for Mike. Can he win enough money to pay off his debts and save his kneecaps? (laughs) Stay tuned. The movie certainly isn't the first gambling movie, but it's generally the one that people think of when you say poker movie. Among players I've known, it's beloved not the least because it includes real-life poker legend Johnny Chan. It's also a lot of fun. Roger Ebert called it a sports film, which calls to my mind the arguments that people had about whether or not poker is a sport when it became so popular on ESPN. I think it definitely is a sport, but it's more of an intellectual one than a physical one. That said, it's not easy to sit at a poker table for 12 hours straight. I agree that I consider poker a sport. It is so fun to watch. I really wished I enjoyed playing, but I don't. I think my love of watching poker is equivalent to those who like to watch golf. I don't understand the appeal of watching golf. 
I mean, half the time you cannot even see the ball, and the lack of action is notable. However, I can also understand how watching poker could be viewed the same way. I absolutely love this film. It is the only movie on our list that I had seen prior. My favorite aspect was how they relayed the skill behind Mike's success at the game. And the face-offs between Mike and Teddy KGB are so phenomenal. Next, we have Molly's Game, released in 2017. The movie follows Molly, played by Jessica Chastain, a high-stakes poker game runner. She is facing indictment in a case related to the Russian mob, who were players in some of the games she ran. Once a millionaire and now broke since the FBI confiscated all of her money, she seeks the assistance of a high-profile attorney, Charlie Jaffe, played by Idris Elba, to defend her. The story covers her rise in the poker world and the decisions and relationships that led her to her present. I had never heard of this film before we watched it for this episode. I did not know what to expect, and it still somehow surprised me. I really enjoyed the film. The fresh perspective was interesting since we were seeing the inner workings from the viewpoint of someone other than a player. The cast is rock solid as well. In addition to Chastain and Elba, it stars Kevin Costner, Michael Sarah, and Chris O'Dowd. I also enjoyed this film very much. Jessica Chastain is one of my favorite working actresses, and she's as good as you'd expect. Aaron Sorkin wrote the script, and in an interview with NPR, Bloom and Sorkin said that Molly's Game isn't actually about the glamour of high-stakes poker. Quote, That was a backdrop for a much more personal, much more emotional, and much more inspirational story. That said, I'm not sure I entirely agree. Part of the fun of watching the film for me is figuring out which real-life famous people the characters are supposed to be. In his article, The Real Celebrity Stories Behind Molly's Game, Mike Surrey of The Ringer talks about how it's obvious that Michael Sarah's character, Player X, is Tobey Maguire. Quote, Reading the book and watching the movie, it's pretty easy to determine that Player X is actually the OG Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire. Maguire's poker prowess is already lore, but those who haven't read Bloom's book might just assume he's a really good poker player who happens to be famous. That is true, but Maguire, as portrayed in the book and on screen by Sarah, is more than that. He's a sinister figure who takes pleasure in as he puts it in the film, destroying the lives of his fellow players, and eventually Bloom herself. Who knew Tobey Maguire was such a charmer? Our next film is Mississippi Grind, starring Ben Mendelsohn as Jerry, an unsuccessful real estate agent with a gambling problem. Jerry meets the charming, fast-talking Curtis, played by Ryan Reynolds, at a local casino. Jerry thinks Curtis is his lucky charm, and the two decide to road trip, visiting casinos along the Mississippi River to win enough money to enter a high-roller poker game in New Orleans. Jerry hopes to win enough money to pay back his loan shark, played with Classy Menace by Alfre Woodard. I don't think I've ever used the words classy and menace in a sentence together, but I think it's appropriate. And let's be honest, if you need a loan shark, 
you should probably come to grips with the fact you don't have the self-control to win or to keep enough of your winnings to pay off your debts. I think this movie is very well done. And unlike movies like Molly's Game that make gambling look glamorous, it truly shows the desolate life that many gamblers have, especially those with addiction problems. The performances are also excellent, especially Mendelssohn's. That said, it's realism, at least until the ending, made it very difficult for me to watch. I just didn't enjoy watching Jerry make a series of bad gambling-related decisions, lie and disappoint everyone in his life. Neither one of us had seen this before. What did you think? I agree that the realism was at times difficult to witness. The movie did not shy away from the darker side of gambling addiction and the repercussions it can have on one's life. That said, I think that is what made it a good movie. It didn't glamorize gambling, but it also didn't pretend that there wasn't enjoyment from it either. Mendelssohn's performance was great, but Ryan Reynolds was the surprise performance for me. The known and loved swagger Reynolds has was not absent, but it also wasn't the focus, which is a change from his familiar roles. This was the most balanced and serious I have seen him, and he was amazing as Curtis. I agree with that assessment very much. The director seemed to get more out of his range in Curtis than is the case with most of his parts. Released in 1996, Hard Eight is Paul Thomas Anderson's first full-length feature. It stars Philip Baker Hall as Sidney, a gentleman gambler with a hard edge and more than a few secrets. Sidney runs into John, played by John C. Riley, outside of a Nevada diner. John needs $6,000 to pay for his mother's funeral. Sidney offers to take John to Vegas to teach him how to win at casinos. After a money-making night of gambling, the film jumps ahead two years. John is a successful gambler, and he's become like a son to Sidney. Things are going well for the two of them until John befriends Jimmy, played by Samuel L. Jackson, playing Samuel L. Jackson, and a waitress named Clementine played by Gwyneth Paltrow. The film starts off in an interesting way. As a viewer, I had so many questions about what was happening. Why was Sidney helping John, a complete stranger? I was definitely along for the ride. The camera shots were expert, even for an inexperienced filmmaker. I loved the pans across the casinos. I'm a huge P.T. Anderson fan, and generally think his films are masterpieces. This film, though, did not do it for me. It just felt so pointless and like a slog, despite the excellent camera work and the even better performances. I read on IMDb that Anderson ran out of money, and the cast lent him $250,000 to complete the film. That shows you how much faith they put in such a young filmmaker. Hall, in particular, was rewarded with parts in two other Anderson films, Boogie Nights and Magnolia, and Riley is in those as well. The film seems to exist as a love letter to Philip Baker Hall's face, and I very much support that, despite feeling lukewarm about the movie overall. I think it's supposed to be a mood piece, and it succeeds in that, but it just wasn't for me. 
I absolutely agree that the movie was incredibly well done, but I also agree that I did not enjoy it. You spend so much of the movie confused as to what is going on and why that the ultimate reveal which explains Sidney's motives doesn't seem sufficient given the suspense up to that point. I feel like the story presented would fit beautifully in a shorter format and the reveal of the unknown would have had the desired effect. But this story as a full-length feature just did not translate for me. Interesting fact In the original Sundance Lab scenes, Moira Kelly played Clementine and Courtney B. Vance played Jimmy. While I like Kelly, I thought Gwyneth Paltrow was a step up in the acting department as Clementine. Dare I say I would have preferred Courtney B. Vance in the role of Jimmy? It is not often that I would prefer anyone over Samuel L. Jackson, but I felt the energy of his performance did not match the energy of the film. He was so animated in his execution that it just felt jarring and out of place. I completely agree. The part called for a quiet menace. And Jackson's menace is never quiet. I can see Courtney B. Vance crushing that part. Our next film is the 2003 movie The Cooler. William H. Macy stars as Bernie a man so unlucky that Shelley, the manager of the Golden Shangri-La Casino, played by Alec Baldwin, hires him to ruin the juju of gamblers on a lucky streak. Bernie's luck starts to turn around when he becomes involved with Natalie, a casino waitress played by Maria Bello. This leads to an extremely upset and unpleasant Shelley, and it's an understatement to say that this is a man you do not want to anger. I think this movie traffics in a lot of well-worn beats of gambling films, but what elevates it to me is the acting. All three of the main actors are outstanding, but Alec Baldwin, who was nominated for an Oscar, is especially good as the menacing Shelley. I also think Maria Bello is severely underrated as an actor and should be cast in many, many more films. We briefly talked about this one before, And it wasn't sounding like you shared my appreciation. Unfortunately, I did not enjoy this film as much as you. I admit that the second half was far superior to the first half, but I was so bored in the first half that there wasn't enough interest left to be fully engaged in the outcome of any of the characters. I did not find myself invested, which was a real problem for me. I actually stopped this movie, watched one of our other selections, and then came back to it twice. I do agree that the performances were strong, especially Alec Baldwin, and I did think that the overall story was interesting. I think the problem for me was how the story was presented, both in execution and in pace. It was a movie that I ultimately wished I liked, but just didn't. Last, but certainly not least, we have Croupier the 1998 noir film starring Clive Owen as Jack Manfred, the title character, who's a roulette dealer in a London casino. While the film is certainly about gambling, Owen is a croupier after all, it's also a lot about writing. Manfred very much wants to be a novelist. The film uses the novel as a framing device, with Manfred narrating the scenes as if typing his novel. 
Normally, I'd find this intrusive, as I prefer films that don't spoon-feed you the plot and what to think about it. But there's more than meets the eye with everything happening here. I don't want to give too much away, but Manfred gets involved in an illegal gambling scheme, despite his general honesty, and things go badly. Or do they? It had been several years since I watched the film, and I liked it just as much as I remembered. I really enjoyed this film. Again, I did not know anything about this movie, and yet it surprised me. I loved the perspective the story took and how it made you question what was real and what was perhaps fiction, flourishes added to enhance his novel. There was a clear focus on the gambling aspect, but the movie was so much more than that. Also, I just adore Clive Owen. I mean, don't we all? The movie really hung on his performance, and he was brilliant, as always. We hope you enjoyed our episode. Please join us next week when we discuss poetry, including The Road Not Taken by Robert Frost, The Tiger by William Blake, and The Highwayman by Alfred Noyes, in case you want to read before you listen. We love suggestions, so don't hesitate to let us know if you have ideas for future episodes. Email us at contact at sistersLovePodcast.com. If you're enjoying our podcast, please do us a huge favor and give us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps people find the show. The Sisters Love Podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode was written, edited, and produced by Shelley Clark and Shannon Kelly. That's us. us. Music by Sean Mullins. We can't wait to talk to you next time. Until then, keep finding things you love, especially each other. Sisters.